to A Shame to Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's Terminal Case of Intitulitis, uh, Game of Thrones. My name is Doug. With me, as always, is Brian. How's it going, Brian? Good. How are you, Doug? Doing real well. Um, I just have to say, I've shot all over this uh, series and uh, this season at several points, but uh, that was that was another great episode. Uh, yes, it, it's shitting right back at you. <laughs> Yes, Finally. it's shitting right back at me. Man, I, I, last week was a 10. I don't know what to rate this one. I, I thought this was incredible. Uh, well, we don't rate it, on it a 10-point scale, so that's okay. You're right. You're right. So I'll have to come up with a, a good sandwich designation by the end of the podcast. Uh, it just kept hitting. It just kept punching and punching, and uh, very few of the blows missed. I mean, this was incredible. And it was more of the intrigue that makes this fun instead of right. just uh, smashing so man, if this if last week wasn't your favorite episode, then this week certainly was. Right, and uh, and you're absolutely right. I've complained the entire season of the lack of intrigue, how people are just getting stabbed, uh, literally in the back instead of figuratively, or, or no one's using guile. He's no sonic booms are happening. Yes, uh, but we get all of that. Uh, this episode, we get very little magic uh, as well. Um, you know, mention of the White Walkers, but still, it just seemed to be very satisfying. Now, I. I the only criticism I can give it really is they just blew their load on this episode. So much happens that it makes the rest of the season seem uh, like what are they doing? What were they doing? They spun their wheels a lot, and uh, well, they were building they to were, this. They were I building mean, to this. I so, so I mean, if that's what they want to do, congratulations. But uh, there were some hard to watch episodes in this season. So I feel like if they not too many, I, I, there were a couple. But uh, but yeah, yeah. right. These these are nitpicks. This is a great hour of television. Hour and twenty, hour and fifteen, whatever it turned out to be. Um, so uh, yeah, I have a few complaints. But um, having said that, let's go complain about this. So where do we start first? Uh, we open to uh, everyone. In- that is going to be participating in the trial of Loris or the other trials, I guess, scheduled for later that day on the docket. Uh, everyone's preparing to go to the Sept. We see uh, Cersei dressing in black, which I think we can refer to her now as Darth Cersei, based on her uh, her outfit. Seems appropriate. Uh, yeah, we see the High Sparrow putting on his burlap sack and Tonin putting on his tiny crown. And uh, really uh, incredibly shot. It's uh, the combination of the piano music transitioning into the cello. Uh, while everybody's preparing to go to the trials, really, it was incredible. Um, then it goes to the Sept, and everyone's filing in, preparing to for the trial of Loris. See Loris scared in a cell, and eventually he makes his way over to the Sept. And uh, it, it cut into between this, it's a, it's a number of different shots, almost a montage. Yep. Uh, you see Picel, um <laughs> he's just finished up uh, doing what Picel does. Yeah, and he's, he's paying hoes until he's ready to pay hoes. Oh, no. No, hose pay him. Um, so then a uh, a little little kid comes up and asks, uh, presumably asks him to follow, uh, which he does. And then we cut back to the uh, Loris's trial, and apparently Loris has taken a plea deal. Um, he's confessed all of his crimes, abandoned his name, is joining the faith, and it's pretty, it's pretty funny the the shots of uh, Mace in the crowd. <laughs> he was not uh, he was not happy about the thing. Yeah, poor Mace. Yeah. So it was a real tension builder going back and forth between all these different shots and you knew something was coming. Right. And so, yeah. Uh, so we see, uh, it cuts back to the both the Lannisters still in their chambers and right when Tommen's ready to head to the trial, 
uh, Robert Strong will not allow him to go to the trial. And that's the moment I knew it was fucking Well, I knew right it was there. on at the beginning when they were doing the montage and everybody was getting ready. And, you know, like you said, uh-huh. the High Sparrow's putting on his burlap sack like he always does. Marjorie's putting yep. on a, you know, beautiful gown just like she always does. Tom's putting on the same, Tom is putting on the same crown. But Jamie, or Jesus, Cersei is wearing something completely different, which that should have been, should have been some clue that shit was going to go down. And then, yes, when we had Robert Strong, or as they, they still refer to him, uh, Sir Gregor, Bar Tom, and you knew shit was definitely going down. And you should have yes. got excited, because I sure did. I had the inkling up until that moment, and then that moment, oh yeah, oh, everybody's going right. to burn. Yeah, so uh, at some point, the... Uh, the Marjorie realizes that. Um, well, before that, that, before that, she starts to argue with the Sparrow very publicly. I thought yes. over whether uh, he had overstepped the terms of their agreement. He's just, she's like, you didn't have to humiliate him because not only does Loris uh, agree to uh, whatever he, he confesses his sins, uh, he, joins he joins the faith. the faith. So that means he gets a gang tattoo right in front of everybody. And yep. Marjorie disagrees with it, but they have this argument, and everybody in the court is, seems to be looking at him and watching them happen. I, watching this happen, I found that odd, and it continues later. Um, but yeah, the uh, High Sparrow then sets sends Lancel and a few of the thugs to go fetch Cersei. Um, but yeah, like you said, Cersei's you know she's hanging out in her chamber. She just cracked a bottle of wine. She ain't going anywhere. They drink it again. Right. Uh, yeah, and of course. Um, of course, Marjorie figured this out. I mean, Marjorie knew something was up right away. Right. Um, it started to re- – or you at least saw it on her face, and she actually described it later. So then we see uh, Kevin on the way out spots – or Lancel on the way out spots a little shaver, chases after him, knows some, the kid's up to something. And it looked to me – I think the kid was purposefully leading him down to the Absolutely, wildfire. What, but I don't know question? why yeah. – uh, I still don't understand why um, whatever Lancel decided to chase him. I don't either. I mean, uh, that was kind of silly. Uh, why would he think this kid was up to something? Right. You know, if he would have stolen um, something from the church or something, that would have been enough provocation. But whatever, I'll, yeah. I'll accept it. And there's so many things that could have gone wrong with right. that. I mean, it's, it's a, a little not kid. a very good plan. Well, no. who cares? And I guess it was orchestrated by Cersei to to yeah. to make because yeah, it Kevin doesn't accomplish anything something. besides yeah. uh, like an evil Doctor Evil type of character. Uh, it's just so Cersei can have Lancel realize what's going to happen before it happens. Yeah, but he—I mean—he could have gotten there. He almost did get there to blow out right. the scandal. So what's the point? It was just exactly ridiculous. But whatever. Yeah, but I mean that—that—that's the kind of complaint. But it still—it added so much right. tension. I enjoyed to it seeing. once again. I think it's the director. This—this is the same guy yeah. from last week in Hard Home. Uh, he makes the most mundane uh, lines and situations seem compelling. Um, I'm gonna—I don't—I don't, I don't right. know anything about movie making or whatever TV making, but I got it. Yeah, clearly. But I, I got to give the director credit because he seems to be the common thread, um, uh, for some of these great moments. But so we get juxtaposed Lancel running after a small urchin child. And we also have Picel following a small urchin child. Both go underground. Um, Picel runs into Kyburn, who's just waiting for him in the molestation dungeon, <laughs> the molestation station. Yes. Okay, and uh, Pycelle asks the whereabouts of the king, and then Kyburn replies, "Elsewhere, I'm afraid." Um, but but do you did you hear that? Is sounding funny? 
Like, no, I didn't because I knew the shit was. I that was too. Uh, it was too tense for it to be funny. Well, it wasn't. No, I mean, not funny as in haha. Funny as in strange. It fa- it sounded like uh, Kyburn had been sucking on like helium balloons. He's like, I'll swear I'm afraid. Um, oh no, I didn't know. Whatever. That. It's probably just a weird goof of the audio, but. Uh, Kyburn and Fora's Pycel, that's Usherin, uh, the new, the old, has to get put to rest, and then several children uh, come out of nowhere and proceed to stab Pycel, but not before he gets in one good uh, hit on a kid, <laughs> since the kid laying, he lays that kid out, it's all, that was awesome. Yeah, that, this was a really ominous yeah. scene, um, and I, it's fucked up, he's got these child child assassins now, I mean, I don't know that that Varys had his little birds murdering people, Um but yeah, it was fucked yeah. up, and I guess he was he trading candied plums for these kids to go around and shanking people. I Who mean, knows? Hey, yeah, I, that's just yeah. That, that was that was very ominous. Yeah. Good I thought scene. it was great too. Mm-hmm. So likewise, uh, Loris uh, gets stabbed by a small child um, underground, yes. uh, but only enough to wound him. And you could, it was weird because the little kid came back to make sure that he was wounded enough. Uh, I guess he didn't finish him off. He like comes back, kneels over him, and then takes off. It was weird. Uh, yeah, th- those kids are hard as yeah. shit back then. Jesus. Back then, yep, in real life. Yeah. So, <laughs> so as Loris tries to like sc- like scrabble around, the music goes up a new level, and they, there's like a pipe organ going on in here, and it's just it's a weird bombastic piece. Some parts I thought was great about the music. You mentioned the music, and I feel like at parts it was great, and other times it brought me out of it. I was like, wow, this this is just a little bit too. Oh. Intense. I, th- I thought it kept me in it the whole time. Yeah, well. Uh, I- Different strokes. Right, different strokes, different folks. But uh, yeah, Laura starts to crawl towards the end of the hall. Then we cut back to the Septa Baylor. And then this is when Marge finally um, vocalizes that something is wrong. And once again, she has this argument with the Sparrow very publicly so the entire uh, place can hear it. Um, and it just seemed a little uh, little strange. But yes, she says she walks, walks the High Sparrow through the logic. Uh, Cersei, you know... She's not here. Tom is not here. This is not a good sign. Uh, we should get the fuck out. Um, of course, he he doesn't want to hear it. We cut back to Loras uh, underground, and he slowly discovers the wildfire in barrels and a leaky puddle with some uh, candles, slow-burning fuse, I guess. Um, then we cut back to uh, the Sept. Marge decides to GTFO. Grabs Loris, tries to leave, and so does everybody else. Everybody else tries to leave, but the High Sparrow and his Faith Militant hold them back. Uh, yeah, I don't know that they were specific. I just think there was so much confusion, nobody knew what to do. You know, it, I don't know that. Uh, you know right, what I mean? I, I don't think that. Yeah, the High Sparrow might not have, but I mean, I don't think he comprehended that this was a possibility. Of course not. But um, I guess the standing order is to make sure nobody leaves because his guard yeah. stopped stopped everybody right away. I yes. like more panic, like a bunch of people just like running around, like trying to almost, you know, not as intense as the uh, massive bodies that we got last week during the battle, but a but a, a good solid rush towards the door, people getting stepped on, um, as fear took. Yeah, hold. but there was, but there was no real threat. Yeah, it was all I imagined. Mean, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. from their point of view, they had no idea. They mm-hmm. just Marjorie said we should get out of here, and everybody believed it enough to leave, try to leave anyway. So. Yeah, there was some incredible tension switching between Kevin and the Sept, or I'm sorry, Loris. Uh, Lancel. Right. Yeah, too many. Uh, yeah, I got it. 
Yeah, so, so much. There was a ton of tension because you were wondering, is he going to get there in time? Is this going to explode? And at the same time, is Marjorie going to be able to exit in time to get out? I mean, they there, there was moving pieces at the same time that were really create a lot of tension. I thought it was just incredible. It was, and uh, sure enough, uh, the wildfire catches. Lancel's the first one to see it and gets instantly disintegrated. Uh, yeah, it was a cool shot where you saw it kind of light up in his very eyes. Very cool shot. And, um, yeah. Yeah, and so he he gets blown away. Green fire just explodes every barrel. Uh, they cut to the inside of the sept, and there's a rumbling, and everybody's looking around like, oh, shit. And then, yep, green flame erupts from beneath. The high sparrow is roasted, and the whole building uh, explodes outwardly in a an amazing, beautiful fashion. Uh, one thing I really liked about the explosion of the sept is, like, the collateral damage all these bricks from the stone are going everywhere fucking yeah. up other buildings people on the street are eating at the bell you know smashes somebody uh, but yeah. uh i just really enjoyed the detail that went into this explosion normally you see a building explode it's not you know that detailed or you don't get that uh sense of collateral damage or weight and yeah everybody in that fucker is dead Marjorie's instantaneous. Marjorie's dead. High Sparrow's dead. Mace, god damn it. Rest in peace, brother. Mace is dead. Kevin Lannister is dead. Lance Lannister's dead. Um, and it's presumably uh, the most important pieces of the the sept of the church, I guess. I would think almost all right, of them. Right, you would think all the ones yeah. at least in King's Landing. Uh, and I'll bring this yeah. up again as we get later towards the episode, but I was under the impression, at least in the books, that this whole movement with the High Sparrow is just one symptom of a popular uprising uh, with the common people becoming more religious. Um, so I, I don't know if there's going to be a backlash from other sparrows that are, let's say, everywhere else in the seven kingdoms besides the sept of Baal or at least king's landing have we seen other sparrows do we know that other sparrows exist in other cities well, other septs sure as hell uh exist i mean you had the hippie yeah. commune that we saw but uh right but yeah uh the um, the starks had a septa um i don't know if she made the show uh but she was versing some of the kids in the seven uh pointed star or whatever the book's called so there are uh, these religious. I mean, I guess the question is, is is sure. Are there other faith militant though? I don't know. They the the show really hasn't uh, touched on that, so we're gonna go with the assumption that there aren't. She even says later that yeah. I've destroyed all the sparrows and stuff like that. So we'll assume that this this whole rebellion is squashed permanently. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you're right. There's not enough time left for them to really build back right. up or, or do anything. Yeah. So. So we see uh, Cersei watching this all unfold from her uh, from her porch or patio. I don't know. Looking like she She's just a, one out. She just looks like yeah, in ecstasy, just watching what happens. So satisfied yeah. with herself. Yeah. At the same time, we see Tommen, and he's in shock. Uh, you kind of see him putting everything together, and then it cuts to Cersei, and she's got Septon Yunella in his wine border <laughs> in, in a dungeon. There's worse ways uh, to get <laughs> tortured, I guess. Yeah, it look, almost looked like the, the like a dungeon from Pulp Fiction. You know, it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's not good for yeah. her. And um, so she, uh, Cersei, does, talks a lot. I don't know if there were any lines that really stuck out no, to you. Just, she just gives a uh, whole thing about hedonism, how she does things because yeah. it feels good, um, and that's yeah. fine if you want to kind of compress Cersei down to just she's hedonistic. But I feel like 
amongst that hedonism is pride or you know uh, some yes, kind of you know will towards power that that hedonism doesn't cover. So um, she might say she's purely hedonistic, uh, but that's fine. I uh, then we get it's revealed that Yunella is going to not die. She's like, I'm prepared to meet the, the gods, and she's like, Oh, you're not going to die today. Yeah, her tone in that response was. was- <laughs> It was fucked up. Yeah. It was terrific. I enjoyed it. Uh, and then uh, Frank and Gregor comes in, and he's going to be her torturer, I guess? I don't know. We know Clegane, the the live Clegane, who was a real fucking creep, yeah. real sexual deviant. Um, I don't know. I guess zombie Clegane may be as well, or just being to torturing people for I fun. D- I don't understand this. It really doesn't sure. seem so... For my, she was screaming, and he was just standing off to the side of her. It looked right, like. it didn't. Uh, to me, I had a problem with this. It just didn't make sense for uh, Gregor to be a torturer himself when he's at least a Frankenstein monster. It seems like he has no will of his own. So yeah. it just seems like if he's, I, I don't know, to, to I guess facilitate torture. I think you got to have some kind of judgment as far as when to push people how far not, not to let them die it seems like a very complex task something that maybe kyburn would be more suited for but i guess they wanted to get robert strong in here so whatever and we got to see his fucking face which was you know appropriately creepy yeah yeah and she did have the great line uh cersei had the great line your gods have forsaken you this is your god now yeah. good boy oh, not, not good. good for her yeah i don't think you is making out of this one no, not at all no. So then we cut to uh, someone speaking to Tommen, and you just kind of hear the guy say, very sorry. Not exactly sure who that guy was. Or I think it was the matters. guy that was helping him get dressed earlier. At least he, like, like oh, a okay. page or helper or whatever. Gotcha. So Tommen takes off his crown, sets it on the table. Goes off screen. Just fucking, yeah. fucking walks out. Yeah. It was, it, you could hear him set the, the, the crown down, but he just fucking walks out the window. That was insane. That was great. That was no, the point I was just I like, no yes. Clue. That was like the icing on the cake. Um, yeah, we all, we all predicted him to die, but I, d- I didn't see suicide as an option. No, I really thought Cersei's uh, own stupidity right. uh, was going to kill gonna him. burn and up with everybody else or something like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> I saw somebody online said he takes uh, the, the the name King's Landing way too serious. <laughs> Pretty great. <laughs> but yeah, it was an interesting parallel to how this entire thing really kicked off. You know, right? In that the, every everything was started. This is how by, the show starts. BT dubs. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so Jamie pushing uh, Bran out the window. Oh, yeah, in the series. Uh, yes, that's what I'm referring to. Okay. Um, so I thought it was an interesting parallel that, you know, now now that's her how her last kid dies, you know, uh, Cersei's last kid. So It's pretty fucked up, but, like, just this this whole thing, uh, and I want to say that the scene was just masterfully done with Tommy killing himself because he just stared out yes. the window. And it was long enough time, you know, that we were just staring at the debris uh, and the smoke cloud rising, and that's really sinking in. But then out of nowhere, he just casually walks up and falls. No hesitation. So well done. Like, yeah. it, it was believable. You know, I mean, he pulled it off. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was great. And there was no inkling this that 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 particular scene was coming. Right, no. I mean, that's that's what when the show is great, it's because... Surprises you? They do something... Yeah, th- yeah it surprises you, but it's something you... Even something you might expect, but they, they do it in such a way that it's surprising and exciting and Shit, it doesn't get much more uh, surprising than, than that right there. I agree. Uh, just great. And once again, this whole, this whole, all this happened within the first, what, 15 minutes of the episode? Yeah. This, yeah. How this episode starts, which is crazy. More, more things happen, more people die in this episode than, like, what, four or five episodes? Um, it's just 
No question. It's great. What a what a way to start your finale. Yeah, and then then we go to uh, I mean, gosh, it, it just scene after scene of this right. thing was uh, was uh, balls to the wall. But so we go to even even like just the character development of the people talking, like the next scene. I don't know what it was. Maybe it's the director, but everything to me was interesting in this episode, with you know one or two you know one or two minor exceptions. But so we go next to the McPoyle family feast, and they're celebrating the the union of the Freys and the Lannisters, and you can see Jamie just doesn't give a shit about the phrase and realizes what trash people yeah. they are. Um, so we find out that Ed Muir's back in a cell and uh, old old man Frey comes in to speak to Jamie directly. Yeah, not before and, we get some banter with Bron complaining about how uh, all the women want to fuck Jamie. Yeah, and we actually see the, uh, I believe we see the uh, Arya in that oh, scene yeah, as yeah. face. I, yeah. I didn't put and that the, together until now, so bravo to you, yeah. sir. That is absolutely right. So after some back and forth, the Braun back and forth wasn't as fun this yeah, time. Was, I don't know what. It, a what, lot yeah. of it seems forced this whole season, This the Braun thing. Um, yeah, and it was just, you know, Jamie sends him off with some of his runoff to go get laid so we can have this uh, private moment with Walter Frey. Um, you know, Walter Frey is full of himself. Um, basically just talking about... Here we are, two Kingslayers. <laughs> yeah, tries to, but yeah, that's the point of this whole thing is... Walter Frey, who Jamie loathes, and you know, obviously he hates him based on his, you know, attitude and body language, finds him a loathsome, a loathsome creature, and Walter Frey is comparing them uh, together uh, as if they're both Kingslayers, basically trying to find a commonality. I'm just like you, um, and obviously Jamie doesn't like that, so he, you know, curtly tells him that if the Freys keep fucking up, they can be replaced, essentially. Um. That's basically it. Yeah, yeah, but I think it, it the, there wasn't much to the scene other than that, but I do think that uh, combined with what happens later in this episode, Jamie realizes just how shitty he's been or what the shitty path he's on or how much potential he's spoiled. And, and Frey, I think Frey, this scene pointed some of that out to him. Right. And also, you know, this whole thing, the whole River Run thing, I think now, in retrospect, I mean, the only thing it really served to accomplish was to um, kind of get the phrase back in the mix, but also to get Jamie out of King's Landing, right? So that uh, you know the whole the whole wildfire thing and can happen. And then it ended so quick, so Jamie can get out of there before <laughs> Jamie just so Jamie wasn't at the re- at the twins or anywhere, right? Um, yeah, so he can arrive back right. at the correct time. But I mean, that's all it was. I mean, th- I think we discussed that as probably what it might be because it was so silly in the moment or pointless in the yeah. moment, but. Uh, with the, it does fit in the larger narrative that they put together over the course of the yeah, season. Yeah. So, do you agree that this is probably you know setting Walter Frey up for the, what they do every time when somebody's about to die, a big character they they make you hate them or remind you why you should hate them? I guess. Yeah, they do do that a lot. Um, you know, because uh, there are people who aren't that into this. I mean, there's I'm sure there's plenty of people who have watched all six seasons and still couldn't tell you who half the characters are on the screen. You Morons. Know? Yeah. I mean, I've said, uh, I've called Lance L. Kevin and, yeah. you know, it's hard to keep all these people straight. Yeah, I agree. So, and that, that's an easy device. And, but you know, when the scene points out, even though it's pointing out how terrible this person is, you know, it, 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 I do think it had a larger impact in that, it just was trying to show Jamie how far he's fallen. Right, and and but that's potential. one of my biggest criticisms of the show. I've gone on several rants about it. We're not going to get started, but uh, classic Doug Jamie. I'm rant. hoping at the end of this episode, it basically instead of Cersei 
there's a split. There's going to be a split between uh, Jamie and Cersei. That's just going to happen. Already right, looks like it has yeah. happened, but so far, mm-hmm. Cersei's been changing, and Jamie hasn't. Jamie hasn't been taking any active steps to be a better person, at least in my mind. I know that you would probably uh, disagree with that, but I'm hoping that he kicks it up a notch going forward, um, and just decides to be his own person and maybe have honor, um, or just try to be a better person. That's that's all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this I think sets that up i hope they follow through with it yes yes so where do we go next we go to king's landing and it's a short scene where cersei and Kyburn are looking over the body of tommen uh cersei seems completely detached and disconnected from her emotions um i think she's full-on crazy pants now um you know Kyburn's asking about the practicality of what to do with the king and she's just like you know he should be with his father blah 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 or his grandfather just burn them and bury the ashes where the sept used to be. Uh, and I don't know. Which that was. Yeah, what was that? That's kind of fucked up that, you know, uh, uh, that she apparently has no regard in blowing up the sept. She has no regard for her family's tombs. If that's where they are. Yeah. You know, I don't you, think it's. I you, think. I, I, yeah, you're right. I don't know. Um, and I don't know that the Lannisters assign uh, that much importance to re- final resting places. We know the Starks do, for instance, but I don't know that the Lannisters do. But still, I mean, that adds a whole other level of fucked up if you know if their final resting place is important in Lannister history. Yeah, you would think it would be. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. don't know. Besides the the people in the north or the uh, wildlings burning their dead, and also that's what the Targaryens do. I don't know that we hear about what happens to uh, dead folks from everywhere else in the Seven Kingdoms. I guess they get buried. They don't really even yeah. talk about that. Um, so yeah, it's, I just feel like this whole this is a nice little scene just showing you that you know, Cersei's moment of triumph is actually, you know, the, the moment where she, the prophecy has come true uh, that she's lost all her kids and, you know, she's waiting to die. I'm sure she's gonna get, you know. So I feel like she's really Instead of hedonistic, she's just nihilistic at this point, and I feel like she doesn't really care about anything. Um, no, and it's another one of her plans screwing up. I right, mean, she, she thought she was going to be. Him. Yeah, yeah, and it were, even if she'd been like ten percent smarter, why wasn't she? Did why wouldn't she go there? I mean, I don't know that she would have expect or go to where where um, where Tom and right. was. I don't. I don't know? see why. But she hadn't spent a lot of time in uh, a lot of time with Tom and period. I know that a lot of that was the High Sparrow trying to keep him away, but at the same time, yeah, she should have been with him, explaining what's what's happening. Um, she should have had him on suicide watch. No question. Yeah, like a so like then, an Apple factory, <laughs> just the you know the suicide nets to catch him. Put out the nets, sure. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, anyways, uh, we go to Gilly and Sam arriving at the Citadel, and that was, <laughs> it was funny that Sorda's is like as big as yeah. Sam or as tall as Sam, and it's not so, like it's hidden. Like, what's in the thing? We know exactly yeah. what's in the what's in the yeah. rags. The sword I stole from my daddy. And why isn't his dad written him down? By I don't. Now? Well, I, I mean, I this is the 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 next time we've seen him. So you know, how the show doesn't yeah. time means nothing to the show. So this could be like the next two days later or whatever. Yeah. Um, we have no idea. But still, they're traveling on the back of an apple cart. I don't know why his dad with horses and shit could have caught up to them already. That's true. But who knows? So uh, it's an incredible shot when they jump off the uh, off the apple cart and they're walking up to the Citadel and you see uh, the Citadel in its glory. Uh, and it's also just got ravens coming out the ass. Um, uh, and those are the white ravens, which we find out later 
are a symbol for, or a um, uh, transmitting the message to everyone that uh, winter has started. Officially, yes. Yeah. So we see Sam in the uh, reception area talking to a sassy receptionist. Um, and he's Sam's really samming up in this scene. I mean, he's, you know, might as well be Mr. Bean in, in leather. Um, so uh, they haven't heard of him at the Citadel, and um, the uh, receptionist says they'll have to wait. And speak to the um, speak to the archmaster right, because basically everything that Sam tells them doesn't match their records hasn't been right? recorded. Yeah, they don't have the change of the master or the change in the uh, commander. So, right, and I think Sam in early seasons uh, he released the Ravens or, or let Ravens get away a bunch. So I don't know, maybe that's his own fault. Perhaps. Uh, yeah. So um, the receptionist says that Sam could go wait in the library, but of course, no women and children are allowed back in yep. there. And uh, he just abandoned yeah, her. He's for like, books. Sorry, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, all this shit about we'll never be apart. And then as soon as he hears, oh, cool library, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> I'll, only, I'll only be a minute. <laughs> yeah, books before hoes. Um, so he goes into the library. It's a, it was a really cool looking. It was a cool library. looking shop, but at the same yeah. time, I was just like, this looks like the fucking Mines of Moria. This just doesn't look uh, like it looks too fantasy. Like you yeah. could have added scale without making it seem. Like impossibly big. Uh, I didn't have any problems with it. So there, there you go. You. Sam's in heaven. Of course, he totally creamed his leather yep. jeans. <laughs> uh, so that's about it. And that's yeah. Scene. So this this didn't really add much to the episode. Yeah, I, I think it was just checking in on uh, him. But you're right. I don't know if he would have. I was hoping that he would find like a book, like how to defeat White Walkers in twenty quick steps. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Something that would be germane to the plot or let us know what's going to happen with him uh, in the seasons to come. I guess some people thought he would just have to like come back to the to the wall right away and just like hire a maester instead of becoming one himself. But I guess he's doing it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how this plays out. But yeah, I don't know how this is a really out of nowhere thing. Even Arya comes back into play. She comes back in relation to what we're the other threads that we have going on already. So, yeah. Well, and the thing is this scene was kind of, kind of pointless, but I did, I mean, it, it did allow a moment for the viewer to breathe, which, yeah. uh, was needed in this episode with the amount of action. Um, it allowed us to check in on him. And I think that they had to check in on him because it had been a little while in the series and presumably he'll play an important role, um, in the wars to come. Although we're not sure yeah. what that yeah. will Yeah. Because I mean, unless he takes a speed reading course, or I don't know what, how he's going to get all of his chains to become a maester. Uh, yeah, I have no and, idea how long that takes. It seems ridiculous. Right. I saw somebody uh, online <laughs> joke that it would be funny if he saw uh, Jora over in like a uh, self self helper. How to cure Grace Guthrie? Yeah, yeah. There you all go. right. So then we go to uh, Winterfell, and John's whining about being a bastard to Mel <laughs> when mm. when Davos comes in and confronts her about burning Shireen. Mel instantly starts to distance herself from the crime, saying, "He, bur- what happened to her?" Davos adds, "What, what happened to her?" And she says, "He burned her at the stake, trying to distance <laughs> like it wasn't her idea." Um, you know. Yeah, was she even referring to Stannis, or was she referring to like the actual guy who tied her? To uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where does the blame uh, <laughs> yeah. lie? Passing that right. buck. So uh, yeah, she's passing the buck, but uh, you know she doesn't deny it completely. So. She goes mm-hmm. off about how, you know, we all did it, her mom did it, you know, 
the Lord of Light told me to do it. But basically, you know, Davos doesn't let her get away. And Davos really brought it here from an acting standpoint. That guy, he's awesome. Like, um, he plays yeah. good coach Davos, and then he can turn on the, you know, the heat and and seem pretty We're, angry. And Looks like he's either halfway between screaming and crying at the same right, time. he fucking nailed it. I thought mm-hmm. his, his yeah. performance was amazing. Um, he accuses her of lying. She says, it wasn't lying. I was just wrong. You know, Davos then asks... For permission to execute her, uh, and John's in a pickle, so he takes the you know the third route, uh, just like uh, Danny did to Jorah. John yes. exiles Mel um, south. So, I think uh, yeah, I mean I think that she'll be back at some. I point, agree, you and, know? and I feel like she said last thing she said to John was, "You'll need me in the upcoming war," and maybe at that point she can come back, and maybe she'll know it's cool to come back, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see her. I see her coming back, but not until shit's really hitting the fan. Maybe she uh, wins her way back into his heart through uh, fighting in, in yeah, the pits, Jorah like, style. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, uh, but like conjure magic battles. Right. And then at, in the same time, we don't go anywhere, but John watches her uh, ride off and Sansa meets him on the walls of Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Sansa... Um, you know, they have a back and forth. John says, we need to trust each other. They're discussing housing arrangements. Yeah, exactly. I want mommy's room. <laughs> Rickon's room is going to be my new office. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make that a man case last gym. Going to get ripped. In his honor, of course. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they... Six pack for Rickon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm doing legs for Rickon today. <laughs> All right, so uh, they joke about um, uh, she doesn't trust Littlefinger. She's using him. That's what she says. And they joke about uh, since the White Raven's here, I guess Dad's old saying is finally coming true. Ha 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 ha! Winter's coming. Get it? Whatever. So really, it's just um, I think she says something to John about how he's a real Stark or something along those lines. But essentially, <laughs> this is setting up. That they need to trust each other, and obviously they're not going to. There's definitely going to be a rift between them, uh, and that's further illustrated later on in the episode. Um, but what did you think about this mini scene up here on the wall? I was really frustrated because we didn't get the uh, the yeah uh, of why she didn't tell um, why why Sansa didn't tell John about Littlefinger. She just I I don't understand it at all. That was that was. Very unsatisfying to me, and this is this is one of my my real complaints with this episode is it's such a big thing. It would seem to me, at least, right? Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, if so many other crazy banana things didn't happen this episode, I'd probably nitpick this one even more. Uh, but I've yeah. kind of moved on. You know, she did what she did, so um, it's progressing the plot. So i feel like and it, one, the one line in here the one big takeaway though is that she uh when john asks her if she trusts Littlefinger, he said no only a fool would trust Littlefinger." so um at least we know now even though she used him as part of the knights of the veil as part of the battle against uh ramsey at least she's got him or right now it appears to have him uh you know at least arm's length right and that that all makes sense to me um <laughs> but yeah not a whole hell of a lot else happens so, yes. moving on. And we go to your favorite place in the world. Dorn. Right. But this was actually a good Dorn yeah, scene. Yeah, because it was because... short and sweet. 
and yeah, Lady Olena was roasting them. <laughs> she just, I, thank God, like, all right, you know, losing Mace was pretty hard on me, but thank God Olena <laughs> survived because, you know, she could be in the show as much as she wants, you know. Sure. She's terrific. I'd like to get her and uh, Leanna Mormont in the same room. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. See what happens. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, so. I'd, actually, I'd like to see them do a kid say the darndest things type episode. <laughs> Uh, so, Elena's right, so, uh, uh, meeting with the Sand Snakes to discuss an alliance uh, because, you know, Cersei basically destroyed her entire family. Um, and, you know, Elena's funny. She shits all over the other Sand Snakes. Let the grown women speak. Right. What's your name, Barbara? You look like an angry little boy. <laughs> <laughs> all good Great. stuff. Um, but, yeah. She's like, well, I can offer you your heart's desire. Alaria rings a bell, and in comes Vari. So this is where Vari's went to. So I guess there's going to be an unholy alliance between the Tyrells, Dorne, and Danny. So that could be pretty goddamn powerful. I mean, that's almost half the continent there. Plus, look at her fucking. Now she's got the Tyrells, right. Dorne, the dragons, the Dothraki, the Iron Islanders, the Second Sons, the Unsullied. Right. In the fucking, I mean, geez. I think it's ready. I think she's ready. How could the Lannisters or the Starks have anywhere close to just the number of people, let alone like dragons and like these legendary warriors and all this right. shit? I mean, geez. So it's hard to, I will say, it's hard to, um, to be happy about this because it doesn't involve the Sand Snakes. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. I don't want them on, you know, quote unquote, my team or Danny's team. Bad enough. We got Dario. We gotta, you know, have this guy or these these four people. Um, yeah. So I, I clearly see them as bad guys and not really redeemable. So it's it's hard to root with them to succeed. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, the the problem that I had with this scene and watching it a second time is it almost feels like Danny's, or the, it felt like this was almost cheating a little bit um, because we went from not having, uh, not knowing if these people even knew about each other to all of a sudden. They're all joined together in the span of five minutes, right? You know, uh, and then it, it also it kind of puts Danny in the complete god mode at this point, um, right? But like I said, you know. I think I'm going to still read the books for the detail and the intrigue. What the show can give me is moving along the plot. Just give me the plot points. Take me from point A to yeah. point B to point C, and I feel like this is accomplishing that. So I'm okay with it. Okay, fair enough. All right, so then we go back to uh, Dario and Danny and Marine uh, discussing the plan. Yeah, this one was a little snoozy. Um, Danny's leaving uh, to go to Westeros, but she's dumping Dario at the same time, uh, leaving him behind to rule over Marine and set up the government, which, God, this douchebag's going to be in charge of them setting up the government. Doesn't seem like um, a good idea, does it? No, it doesn't, doesn't. And she tells him she can't take him over there as his lover. She may need to marry someone in Westeros. Uh, Dario says he loves her. Danny rejects him, and you know I I did kind of feel bad for him here because he didn't get any farewell sex or anything no. like that. He he could have at least gotten a goodbye yeah. handy, you know. Um, <laughs> so that was a little handy dis- while she she escorts him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, never forget me. <laughs> squeak, squeak, squeak. Um, so uh, then it goes to Danny leaves him and goes to talk to Tyrion. And as Dario actually said in the prior scene, yeah, Tyrion um, came up. It with was the, the idea. dwarf. Yeah, so Tyrion more or less uh, was behind it. They engaged in some exposition for why she had to do it. Um, but it's clear that he, she's taking his advice 
doing things that she probably wouldn't have done without him advising her. Right. Um, and it's always funny that she says that she admits that she feels nothing about drop, dumping Dario now. Um, so uh, all this culminates after a lot of back and forth with uh, Danny naming Tyrion the Hand of the Queen, um, which uh, was very interesting. It was it, uh, really the, the path. We talked about this a little last episode, but Tyrion's path to where he has done so many good things, gotten shat on, now he he's finally receiving some recognition from those he's trying to work for Absolutely. and help. So, uh, again, not a lot of action here. We probably needed the breather and some good character development and some good acting between these last two scenes. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I guess the important part for me was not only Tyrion becoming uh, Hand of the Queen, was also how Danny says she feels nothing for breaking up with her summer fling, Dario. Uh, it yeah. it shows that she's willing to do whatever it takes to accomplish her goal, um, mm-hmm. which kind of dehumanizes her a little bit, I guess. But at the same time, you know, if she wants to, you know, rule essentially half of the world, that's the kind of shit she's going to have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could have she could have taken him with her. I agree. Really yeah, yeah, exactly. He's gone. <laughs> Thank God. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully he won't be around for... Maybe he'll be gone for one season and they'll recast him for the last season. I don't know. I do want to see uh, Jorah, though, make fun of him for getting dumped. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that'd be pretty awesome. Smell my stone finger, buddy. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. So uh, Then we go to the twins. And Walter Frey is eating alone for some reason in his big hall uh, and asks where his sons are. Um, And a girl comes in, serving girl comes in with a pie. Um, and and puts it in front of him, um, and she's like, "Oh, your sons are here. Where? Here." And points to the pie. He looks in. Uh oh, there's people in the pie. We see like a toenail or something. Um, so we get the fray pie, but I feel it's a little unsatisfactory because he didn't eat it. Like, what's the point of feeding Walter Frey his own sons <laughs> if he's not gonna at least take a bite? Yeah, I didn't. I, I guess I didn't notice. I mean, I know he didn't eat the whole thing, but I didn't notice that whether he took a bite no, or not. I, I went back and watched specifically. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of stupid. He only half rack came. Right, I get, and I, once again, I think this is uh, trying to minimize uh, Arya being a terrible person. But she cut these people up and put them in pies anyway. Might as well go hold the nine yards and have like Walter Frey, like you know, take a big bite out of the pie and go, "Ooh, what's this?" And then pull out an earlobe or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, would have been nice, and I would have liked to have seen her. Like, where? How many phrases did she kill? Just the two sons and uh, Walter. Uh, just a lot of questions here. But regardless, let me the the, the logistics of it didn't make any sense. Right. Whatsoever. Let me just go through the scene, and then we can diagnose it further. So, uh, the servant girl turns out to be Arya. Uh, she says, "My name is Arya Stark. I want you to know that the last thing you'll see will be a Stark smiling over you as you die." Uh, he try- She gives him the little uh, Inigo Montoya. Right. Uh, he tries to get up. She pulls him back, slits his throat. And I really love how she looks, the look on her face. The creepy yeah, smile. The creepy <laughs> smile. She's just like watching uh, for a while. And you got to see like he bled out for a good like it seemed like a full minute. I really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Um, I thought it was good. Yeah, the the Rat King part of it seemed like complete fan service it um, to book readers because it didn't really make it didn't wasn't necessary in the scene. And I don't know that anybody, if you were just watching it and didn't know what the Rat King thing was, which do you want to tell sure, everybody what okay, the Rat? So King? we need to come up with like very a, briefly. a very you know like a music cue. So 
we can go into the book lesson when I do this. So essentially, this whole feeding uh, people to each other, this what they call a rat king pie or whatever it's called. In the books, it's a it's a story. Bran hears it from old Nan uh, about a guy who um, who was angry at another dude and invited him into his house, uh, killed his children and baked him into a pie and fed it to his, the father. And the gods punished him and turned him into a rat, not for uh, you know making the guy eat his own kids, but for breaking guest rights. So this is why it's germane to the phrase "who broke guest rights in the Red Wedding." Um, if you eat a piece of salt and a piece of bread in somebody's house, they're not supposed to kill right. you, and that's exactly what happened in, in the Red Wedding episode. Which makes you think is it's one of these things where this show does such a good job. Is it just you know a good manners thing, um, or are there gods enforcing <laughs> these rules? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool, but but in the books. Um, it, this this happens during the siege of Winterfell, um, uh, and the Manderleys are inside feeding the phrase to the Boltons and the other assembled uh, army, um, and it's great. You love uh, the head Manderley; he's awesome. Uh, he and he shows up later in the scene or this episode as purely fan service as well. So, um, but yeah, here it's kind of a waste. Right? The, yeah, and again, like I said, the logistics didn't make any sense. How would she have killed? two or three of these people, but, but made a pie in their kitchen. And then, I mean, did nobody notice or, uh, does, do we know that she knew how to bake? I mean, it was hot pie there. And there's a lot of questions. Right. We obviously, she's but, mastered the art of changing faces without the, uh, whatever the many face God temple people helping around. She, she can definitely do it. So, yeah. So she's full on assassin, I'm guessing, uh, at this point. So I was curious to see where she goes next, whether she meets up, why wouldn't she go to Winterfell once she finds out that um, Sansa and John are there? I don't see any reason for her to go anywhere else besides to complete her list. Yeah, I mean, she could go murder Cersei. Um, there's who uh, the Robert Strong is still, uh, I guess, Sandor or Gregor Clegane. Um, one of the Cleganes, the bad yeah, one. That's Gregor. Both bad. Yeah, Gregor. I mean, he's still on the list. Uh, is there anybody else that you can think of that's alive that? Was on the list at this Not point? Not really, uh, because they shortened the list mm-hmm. in the show uh, at one point, and yeah. then they she just stopped saying it, so I've forgotten who's on that list. Sure. Sure. So, anything else about that scene? No, that's pretty, basically it. I think we wanted to check in. I guess it was nice to check in on Arya, and even though her uh, story this, this season has been a little bit of a mess, let's say. Let's <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, that's generously saying it's a mess. Um it was nice that we checked back in with her. She is in Westeros, and she's going to be a part of things going forward. So I think that's the best thing to take away from this scene. Yeah. I wonder if she can take the face of a white. Does that make any sense? Uh, no. And then assassinate the uh, Night's King? <laughs> this is going back to what I talked about, like things that will never happen, like Bolton, <laughs> Bolton's founding the defense against the uh, White Walkers and flaying uh, one of the others alive. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, so uh, then we go to Littlefinger. You know, actually, Sansa's in the Godswood in Winterfell, right. and Littlefinger strolls, sidles up to her, and um, he, uh, he 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 comes on to her, I guess, um, tells her that he loves her, and he is, everything that he does is to uh, obtain the, the Iron Throne with her sitting next to him, and 
Uh, you know, even though this guy fucking sold her to Ramsey Bolton, um, you know, so uh, she basically declines his advances, and that it's at that point he knows that um, she has uh, now at least uh, wary of him and is not so easily tricked. I think. Right. I think one of the biggest takeaways here was that Littlefinger finally admits what his motivations are. We assume that's true. Yeah. And this is one of the first real stumbling blocks uh, that we've seen, or Littlefinger really uh, not get his way, I guess. Right. And you know what's funny is, um, and uh, we didn't discuss this last season or last episode, but I, I heard saw it somewhere else. Somebody pointed it out. You know, Littlefinger already had previously pledged his allegiance to um, Cersei Lannister, and if you recall, he said uh, he wouldn't rest until he had uh, till he had uh, Sansa's head on a stake or somebody else's head on a stake. Right. So. I mean, in theory, he could flip his allegiance to the Lannisters, and, and the Lannisters might not know that he's been doing anything wrong, or he could at least spin it he to where probably spin he's been it doing it. Yeah. He, first of all, he had Sansa, who is still with Tyrion, charged with killing Joffrey, who was a king. So she's still wanted uh, as a criminal, especially by Cersei. Yes. So the fact that Littlefinger had her for so long and married her to the Boltons seems treasonous uh, on the face of it. Um, so I feel like he's, he even said I, it for all the world to see, I've thrown in my hat with the Starks. Uh, yes. So I feel like mm-hmm. he's kind of fucked now, at least in that, that, that regard. So I'm not saying he can't still have any kinds of machinations or switch sides again. Um, but it seems like he's in, he's in it with the Starks for now. Um, also, one thing is, is just like when he met her at the beginning of the season at Molestown, before he leaves or before she leaves, he gives them that, that one little seed of doubt. She gives, or he says to Sansa something along the lines of, you know, these people shouldn't follow some ba- motherless bastard from the South. They should follow, you know, the true born daughter of Ned Stark and Catelyn Tully. Um, so I think it's him trying to sow the seeds of doubt and mistrust between yeah. them again. And it seemed to work last time, I guess what's where that's what I'm trying to, that's how I'm trying to make sense of the whole sands and not telling John about the army from the veil. So, right. Mm-hmm. So then we cut to uh Bran and the gang, um, cold hand, Benjamin hands. He's with cold hands, Benjamin hands. Yeah. Uh, he's there with Mira and apparently they've out, out evaded the whites at that point. And so uh, Cole Hands is going to allow Bran and Mira to proceed on their own, which I don't know. I don't know how the hell they will do that. They don't even have a little cart that she was carrying them right. in. Um, and she's, it's not like she's strong enough to – I guess she may has to be strong enough to carry around somebody who probably weighs about the same as her. Um, but this scene, uh, Cole Hands confirmed that the wall is magic to some extent, and he can't pass through the wall, which I think is one of the first real confirmations that the wall is, is magic in some right. Some and that's the case in the in book three when uh, Cold Hands, not Benjen, mm-hmm. uh, escorts uh, Sam and Gilly. They were north of the wall, and this is you know when they were coming back from Caraster's Keep. This is right. how they got through the wall. Is Cold Hands led him to uh, the Night Fort, uh, basically a fort along the wall, and got him through. But he couldn't come uh, across it because of magic. But yes, it acknowledges that the the wall is magic, but. Benjamin Hand says something specifically. He said, um, "The dead cannot pass as long as the wall stands," which is once again very ominous that the wall isn't going to stand yeah, for very much absolutely. longer. 
Yeah, I guess is Bran gonna fuck it up? Who knows? We'll see. Because the that's the only thing. There's in the books there are legends of like horns that will knock down the the uh, the wall. I don't think you ever know if that's those are real or not, or if that's kind of a the uh, fake thing, um, but it looks like it's going to be Brand potentially brings down the right. wall. Right, and if that happens, it's going to happen soon. Happen. I don't, I don't see why it would yeah. take very long if he's marked. And I don't know what the hell that means. The show really hasn't told us what that means by being marked. The only thing we know about mm-hmm. being marked for sure is that um, you can ground pound past <laughs> sure. past the defenses of somebody who's marked. Um, really, that's about it. So if he's the only way to for them to get past that wall, why the fuck does he just kill himself? Well, I don't know I mean, if what? he knows that. He could be yeah. ignorant of the whole thing. It wasn't like, um, you know, they explained it to him. So he could just be ignorant. Yeah. Um, regardless, it just it just seems ominous. The wall is definitely coming down somehow. Sure. But, um, after Benjamin leaves, Bran decides to jack into the tree matrix. Yes. Back to the Tower of Joy, and uh, it starts out with the uh, where um, the old or young Ned is on the stairs and stops and turns around and looks. And you notice this time Brandon yell. Right. So, so that to me was a confirmation of that the past is written, as the Three Eyed Raven has said. Or, um, or we heard it from Ned's perspective instead of Brand's perspective this time, and Ned heard like like a faint whisper. Gotcha. That's possible. That's how That's I possible. Took it. So, so then John rushes up uh, the Tower of Joy and busts into a room, and he finds his sister, Leanna, um, in bed, blood everywhere. It's, uh, obviously, she had a troubling labor. Um, it almost looks like she had a C-section because there was so much blood, but I'm sure it was just, you know, just a messy delivery. Who knows? Baby was upside down or something. We don't know. We just know that she gave birth, and I don't think that's even confirmed to the audience until later, we hear the baby uh, cry. But anyway, Ned sees her. They talk about how much they miss each other, how she's afraid to die. Then she starts whispering in, in Ned's ear. And I really, for a second, I was just like, you fuckers. Oh, if you yeah. do not do this reveal right now, oh, yeah. I'm going to fucking flip a switch. But we do get the reveal. We get like just snippets, you know, something we hear like, if Robert finds out, he'll kill him. Uh, he has to be protected. Please protect him. Promise you hear me John. Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we get we get the confirmation that um, somebody hands Ned a baby and she's saying, protect him, promise me, Ned, promise me. And this is the confirmation that R plus L equals J. Uh, Rhaegal, Rhaegar, Rhaegar, plus Lyanna equals Jon Snow. So it's confirmed Jon Snow is a Targaryen. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, Stark Targaryen. Yeah, Stark Aryan. Yeah, um, yeah, they were they were really screwed with you on that the whispering part. I I, I was I was about ready to get up in arms too. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I get I would, although it was confirmed, I don't know that this was as satisfies as satisfying as I thought it was going to be. Um, no, uh, you know, because now we've got this thing that we all knew. So what's the impact on the in the show? And there obviously hasn't been an impact in there. Won't be an impact until Bran shows up, I guess. Because right, because Bran's the supposedly the only one who knows. Right, and then least. anything in the crypt that might have confirmed it. I don't know why they would do both things. That doesn't make any sense. Nope. So I, we got have to wait till Bran and him meet up. But I, I, yeah, it's going to be a mess. And then once again, what does this mean to the story? Like, yeah. why, or at least from Bran's point of view, 
Bran's gathering this knowledge. What is he going to do with it besides just tell John? And he didn't have to, you know, go go thousands of miles in the snow to learn from a three-eyed raven. Just a three-eyed raven could have just told him. You know what I mean? Like this just, <laughs> yeah. just he should have just got a raven in the mail. Send him a uh, Your half brother John is uh, really a Targaryen by way of Rhaegar, and your aunt Lyanna. Good day. I hope I hope it's warm down there. Love the the three-eyed raven, and that would have been it. Y-L. Yeah, uh, send send uh, send el- el- elf bombs or whatever those things are. <laughs> elf bombs, elf bombs. Oh, elf bombs. Yeah, the children of the forest bombs. Sure. So uh, yeah, I I agree. This was it was almost such like a not reveal that I wish they would have done it earlier in the season. Yeah. Well, and they tried to screw with us, uh, you know, with the whispering, which was good, and it did raise some tension. Um, but ultimately, this is what this is what we expected, and there wasn't a twist, and it's good it happened. But I don't, I don't know. I, I just something left me wanting about this scene. Yeah, I think it it would have been good if we would have got. But hey, this something is like make him the king one day, Ned, or something like like yeah. there was all sorts of like what did what did Ned promise? And you know, the promise was just to raise him as his own, which was the presumed promise, and that basically is the same thing, or just protect him is what actually got said, but. You're right. I wish there would have been some more context to what what'll come of this or what it means. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So you can. It's confirmed now, guys. And by the way, spoiler alert: if you guys haven't read the books uh, or seen the rest of the show, it will be ruined for you. So it's obligatory spoiler warning. Uh, but yeah, let's <laughs> go hour. ahead and start. <laughs> it's right on time this time. Dunce. But uh, yeah, this just so start imagining Jon Snow riding a dragon. So, yeah. Because that's, that's going to happen. He's a Targaryen. The only one, if the dragon has three heads, the third head, uh, the best candidate, is Tyrion. Uh, but that hasn't even been touched on. Like, Tyrion's parentage isn't even, like, a mystery. We just presume, taken, that he's a uh, 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 Tywin's son. Yeah. Yeah, there's been no no intrigue as far as his, his lineage, but I don't know. Because you think that uh, Tywin, if he had any excuse to get rid of him, he would have gotten rid of him. He yeah, I always took anyway. it as what I always took it as is the uh, Severus Snape kind of uh, twist in Harry Potter, how he was in love with um, Harry's mother but hated Harry's father, so mm-hmm. he's kind of like took care of Harry but made his life a living hell. <laughs> so I kind of feel like that's what Tywin did. He's just like he hated every time he saw Tyrion. He loved him because it reminded him of his wife that died, and he hated him because it reminds him of the piece of shit that uh, is his dad. So yeah, that's how I took uh, Tywin. But that's more to come. This is all, um, you know, speculation, which we'll do a lot of in the next episode when we recap the whole season. All right. So then we go back to Winterfell, and uh, the transition here is the baby in Ned Stark's uh, hands. Switches over to Jon Snow's uh, face. Um, and I feel like the music swell was kind of intense, and it, it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jon is forgiving the houses that didn't fight, and basically everybody's just squabbling whether the war is over, whether they should go home and hunker down for the winter, what's happening. And then... And I, it wasn't clear to me... It wasn't clear to me who Jon was trying to rally them to fight. Um because he knows about the coming, he knows about the White Walkers, but he never mentioned that. He kind of spoke in these vague metaphors. And, and it's I would true, think, because who it, knows? He could be fighting a whole bunch of people. 
Yeah, uh, but I, if I was in that room, I would have thought that he was referring to the Lannisters, maybe? I, right. I don't know. That's who I would assume as well. I mean... Yeah. And they're definitely going to have to fight the Lannisters after what comes next, because, you know, they, I think he was... I don't know, because when we went to House of Mormont, the, how he sold him was talking about the dead and how the, the real war is going to be against them, and I thought it was a bad move, because I was like, don't tell these people about... You know, zombies and fucking magic, they're not going to buy it. Um, so I feel like he might have learned, or not learned that lesson, he just decided not to mention that. He did, said there were wars to come. Yes. I, I don't know. Regardless, a badass lady Mormon stands up and shames all the pussy-ass houses that didn't show up to the battle, says... Uh, a bunch of pieces of garbage, yeah, like Donald are, Glover. Didn't answer the call. Right? Yes. She puts a little mm-hmm. stank on the word call. And uh, she proclaims, we know no king except for the king in the north, whose name is Stark. And she says, I don't care if he's a bastard, he has Ned Stark's blood running through his veins, which is still true, because he's it's he's a child of uh, Lyanna, who's a Stark mm-hmm. as well. And then slowly but surely, other houses start proclaiming, and then the music swells, and I gotta admit something, I got chills, I got swept up. I was like, this is a terrible idea, but I kind of love it. like Because we remember... Uh, we've seen it before with Rob Stark. It just kind of got out of hand. Like yes. they were just hanging out one day, and all of a sudden, <laughs> they're like, "You should be the fucking king shit of Fuck Mountain." And you know, just like in Rob's situation, John really doesn't have any control over what's happening. This is kind of just happening to him. Yes, yeah, and it's it's interesting too that Leanna Mormont was named after his mother and is now the one who uh, oh, yeah, ostensibly legitimized him. Yeah, look at you pulling some like next level shit. That's very cool. I didn't think it was that next level, but well, and I you think noticed he, it. You noticed yeah. it more than me, so that's one level, which I guess we're up to. Uh, you know, so uh, still not level very, and a half. Yes, level <laughs> and a half. So, and I think it was funny. Davos is probably happy that someone else is finally doing the heavy lifting when it comes to rallying these clowns. Right. Uh, he you know? he was pumping his fist though in the back with everybody yeah. else. And yeah, we got uh the knowing look between Littlefinger and Sansa, like. Yeah, he's just like, see, I told you, you're gonna be just a powerless uh, woman, which I do feel bad for Sansa. I mean, she's the fucking, from her perspective, she is the rightful heir to Winterfell. Now, I know that that raises all sorts of questions as far as uh, the patrial lineage, patrial lineage, whatever, going uh, the inheritance going from father to son. Who's she gonna marry? Uh, you know. If she marries somebody, will the kid have her? Will, she, will the kid be a Stark, or will it be like a Manderly or whoever she chooses to marry? So I can understand there's a lot of problems. And Jon Snow is a battle commander, but I still feel like, yeah, Sansa got shafted a little bit. I don't know. I didn't really pick up on that as much. Um, I thought I my interpretation of it was that Sansa was okay with giving up the 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 crown or uh, or so i mean I, I didn't really pick up that I she think so i think she is okay with it but i think yeah. it's that little seed of doubt that little finger sowed earlier that's like rearing its ugly head that's the only thing i it doesn't sure. look like she's like overwhelmingly like against this at all no i thought i thought she seemed happy about it despite little finger trying to make her think that oh no you should be the queen uh, she's realizing the realities of it, and the truth is, you know, if she was the queen up there, I don't, I don't know that the northern heirs would necessarily follow a woman or the wildlings. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I think her being queen instead of John being king would create more complications than um, than we're initially thinking of. 
Definitely. You know, but but and what this this made me wonder where the fuck is Ghost? Shut up, man. They don't okay. have any direwolves. All right, direwolves are all dead. <laughs> direwolves are all dead. Oh, did yeah. you see? And I think it was in the making of or uh, the making of the battle last week. They said we got to a decision. We could either have the direwolf or the giant. We went with the giant because of budget. Oh, I didn't reasons. see that. Jeez, that's so fucked. I mean, I understand. I love to see the giant, but. Uh, these wolves are fucking cool. Like they should be. They're either important or they're not. And at this point, they're just not. So, no, they're not. And they were. It seemed like they were the most important right. in the beginning of the thing. Absolutely, they did. Yeah, it's kind of shitty that they've given the short shrift and with no explanation. Right. I mean, it defies logic that Ghost wouldn't have been involved in almost everything that Jon Snow's been involved in since he returned to. Right, and they didn't have to do like fancy compositing. He didn't have to be by his side the entire time. Just like a shot of maybe Ghost hanging out outside of the 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 hall or something, or even in the battle, just, to, just ripping a throat out out of nowhere. It would have been fine. Um, yeah. You didn't have to have him like a through line and have Ghost have an arc. Ghost yeah. was like, hmm. would have been better than Dorn. Is that, is that the noise Direwolves make? Mm. Mm, like I think no, that was him. <laughs> his arc is like, hmm. I wonder if I should lick my butthole. <laughs> From this angle or from that angle? Whatever dogs do or wolves. Whatever you think that, whatever you dream about them doing. Yes, to themselves. <laughs> and so this, I, I was ready for the episode to end after that scene. Yeah. It was so awesome. And then fucking, just when you think, here comes another awesome thing. Um, so we go to, uh, we see the, uh, we see. Uh, uh, First we see Jamie arriving with yes. uh, a little yes. crew and Jamie see the. Uh, the yes. the aftermath of the Septa Baylor and he's obviously concerned, rightfully so, because his his only child is dead as well. Well, he doesn't know that. And no, but can you imagine like walk, strolling up and seeing that, and I mean, what all the th- thoughts that must have gone through his head? Who's right. dead at this point? Right. So he's probably thinking like, uh, you know, okay, I guess the the Faith Militant might be dead, but what happened to Tom and right? That Jamie my first and, and Cersei, yeah, and Cersei. And so when he gets there, when he well, so then we see uh, Darth Cersei entering the throne room for her yeah. coronation, and Jamie kind of sidles up off to the side just in time to see the coronation. Excellent timing on his part. Yeah. Um, so then we see Cersei sit down on the Iron Throne with the gruesome twosome behind her, Kyburn and, and Robert Strong, and she's being sworn in. Uh, somehow Kyburn is able to. I guess swear her in as the Queen Regent. That yeah, was, that like I guess Kyburn is replacing. Uh, Maester type, type uh, Maester Pycelle. Yes. And the High Sparrow. So he's like double duty. He's like the, you know, the science guy and the priest. Um, yes. So I guess he's qualified to crown her uh, queen. And this time, she's already been queen before, but this time she is the sole ruler queen. She's not like the queen mother. Um, right. Or, you know, the queen because she's married to the king. She is the leader or the, the royalty um in King's Landing, which is great. And I just want to go back to telling you, you remember at the beginning of the season when I thought the death of Marcella would push Cersei into a even crazier place. Yes. And how I was disappointed that they didn't go there, uh, how she's been impotent this entire season, but looks like mm-hmm. I'm finally getting it. I'm finally getting the evil Cersei next level, crazy bad guy, because I don't like Cersei as a person. I love her as a bad guy. Um, and I feel like this is great that she's going to be an all-powerful bad guy. Not all-powerful. I mean, compared to Danny, Danny should just go right to Kingsland and fuck everything up. But yes, yeah, her her 
the look on her face throughout this entire scene, it was like this incredible combination of anger, sadness, spite, yeah. hatred. I mean, yeah, that uh, that lady playing her can can make a face or two. Right. Um, so we, Jamie's over there on the side, and, and he exchanges some glances with Cersei. And, uh, and apparently, I mean, he had to realize at that point that, that this is probably the worst possible scenario for him in seeing this. Because now, he, Tommen's dead. Cersei, he, I'm sure he's put together that Cersei had something to do with the death. And now Cersei is the queen and is is in crazy bitch mode on top of that. I, I agree, but at the same time, he says he wants to... He said, at least, I mean, once again, I don't I haven't seen the show more than once, but in the books, he proclaims that he wants to rule side by side as as king and queen of the Seven Kingdoms. And they're in a place they could fucking do it. Yeah. Why wouldn't Cersei just... She proclaimed herself queen. Why shouldn't she just say, hey, guys, this is my brother. He's the king. Fuck you if you don't like it. We are in charge. Yeah, does Jamie want that, though, at this point? He might not, but once again, I, I think they bumbled his uh, redemption plot so much, I have no idea what's going on through his head, because just two episodes, he was telling Edmure how he would kill a million people and and murder his son to get yes. back to her. So he seemed like he's still pretty in love with her. Um, yeah, I don't know. This will be interesting. Right. Um, he'll either be crazy king, or I think he'll end up murdering her, one of the two. Probably, I think there's going to be a rift. I just wish it was handled yeah. better. Yeah, I don't think, yes, the, their faces at the end of that episode, I don't think there was any question. So, once again, just when you think it's over, oh, yeah. and that was enough for an episode. This is just plus, like the, uh, the Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. It's, yeah, except the, the last, it, it's, it remained interesting. In the last, you're right. They'll cut the last fucking two hours of that movie. So, where do we go next? So we finally, the, the episode ends in the Bay of Pigs, I mean dragons, where Theon's staring up at a Greyjoy banner and observes that uh, there's a change in the wind. Notice that clever uh, metaphor there. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty emphasis of a um, whatever uh, illusion, but basically it's just showing you we get this great shot of the entire force that Danny has acquired. You've got the armies, the Unsullied, and boats, the Greyjoys. I did see a Dornish banner on one or two of those ships when I saw it the second time. So yes. somehow, and we see Varys is there, so our, somehow he went to, to Dorne and came back <laughs> super fucking quick. Uh, once again, I've, I've said that I don't mind all the time hopping if it progresses to the plot, but this seemed a little crazy that Varys was able to go all the way to Dorne and all the way to the back with ships to make another return all the way back to presumably Dorne or, or the Reach or wherever they're going to make landfall. Yeah, why didn't he just stay in Dorne? Yeah, just stay in Dorne, meet her. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't make a whole hell of a lot of sense. But no. anyway, we, we see the horses are there. The uns- well, that, that, they could have meet up anywhere. I mean, that could have been anywhere. All right. You know, we, we don't know that they're True. in uh, the Slaver's Bay. I, you're or, right. I presume yeah. that they're at the Slaver's Bay because this was the start of a journey. If not, it seemed very awkward that everybody was out on their boats staring forward. Yes. Um, so we're going to assume that uh, to make it at least somewhat plausible, this is the beginning of the journey. Um, yes. But yeah, um, whatever. Those actually seemed uh, remarkably chill on the boats. Yeah, didn't you I would have. I would like to see a few of them throwing up or something. Oh, you love that? Because <laughs> well, I'm into throw up. <laughs> but this was another Danny's awesome scene, and this didn't bother me as much as the previous Danny is awesome scenes. Um, well, the last two have been good. The last two have been good, but yeah, the when the hut broke down and the and she found she got her dragon back. 
It's the uh, prior twenty eight that were right. garbage. It's just too yeah. much. You can't yeah. you can't go to this well too many times. Um, but yeah, uh, what we're, what this whole means this all means is she's finally going to Westeros, uh, assuming she doesn't get sidetracked. <laughs> she goes on a few side quests. Right. She's like, I'm gonna get twenty twenty four gold. I get into a cave. Uh so yeah, uh this just shows us that the show is going somewhere and it finally feels like the show is wrapping up, like these storylines are starting to converge, and the entire series is coming to a close, it feels like. Like this is like how it's going the beginning of the end, let's say. And we're not even there in the books. So it feels good. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, now now that we've gotten this movement forward in this episode, particularly with Danny's story, I think we're going to see the battle of the Seven Kingdoms for most of the next season, and then the following season is where we'll begin to see the battle of uh, night versus day, or whatever they call it. Right. Oh, I didn't notice. I I I made it <coughs> here uh, earlier when uh, Ned was in the Tower of Joy. He set Dawn up against the bed, and we saw the handle of Dawn had a you know a rising sun, um, and I think that might be you know more ham-fisted imagery about um, Dawn is obviously the birth of the sun for the day when the sun rises, and this was the birth of John. So I think they're trying to draw a parallel there with the long night coming, you know, some ham-fisted uh, imagery. But I noticed it, and I just wanted to put put it out there. Gotcha. But that makes whole, sense. Yeah, as a whole, though, um, I hate to do it, but I've got to give this episode five stars. I gave last episode four and a half because I had some nitpicks. This, I had nitpicks as well, but I feel like it was unrelenting. It was an orgy of payoffs, and uh, it the show is not going to get much better than this. So this is my high watermark for an episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm going to break tradition and give it five uh, five stars. That's weird. I'm gonna interpret that as a pizza sandwich. Pizza sandwich. Yep, you is that got even it. a thing. Yeah. Well, best thing in the world is pizza, and you put that in a sandwich, even better. So Call it a calzone. So no, that's weird. All right. So okay. that's the uh, episode, and that's the season for us. We will be back for one more um, episode, as far as a series recap or the season recap, rather. Uh, and we might have one or two special guests joining us. We'll see how that goes. Probably not going to go well. S- special needs guests. Yep. Anything else to add, Ryan? Uh, no, that's all. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll uh, keep keep releasing some some crap for you to listen to. Yeah, we will. It's entertaining enough. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk about it, but we might have something in store to keep something going. Uh, so you losers have something to listen to on the way to work on Tuesday mornings. Um, until then, please review the show on iTunes. The four people that did it were a big help. Um, and you can always go to ashamedofthrones.com. For some reason, see if there's anything there. Usually isn't. Probably not. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care. Means cunt. I'm sorry.